Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Are you ready? You want the noise brought on you? Because here it comes. What? The noise brought on you because here it comes. This is my job. Showtime. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? Ready. ready? This is the Bob and Jeff Show, starring Bob Lutz. Is this show getting more and more difficult for you to do? That's got to be it! Jeff Lutz. This isn't that hard. There are so many great things to do with the human mouth. Why waste it on talking? 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Stand by for action. There's this one little thing, and I don't want to be called a conspiracy theorist. There's a guy at you guys' radio station who changed from being a Raiders fan to a Chiefs fan. When that occurred, all of these things started happening even tenfold. So, Bob, go back to your Raiders, man, and leave our Chiefs alone. Hello, everybody. It is the Bob and Jeff Show on KFH Radio. Bob Lutz, Jeff Lutz, your co-host, Max Power, producing, engineering the show. When did Earl call? I don't know. Must have called off the air. But if I'm wreaking havoc with the Chiefs, then I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Earl called this morning. If I have that kind of, if I have that kind do of, do you? Do you? Because that's the team you profess to like. So now they're bad. Now they're not bad, of course, but they haven't been playing well. They've been playing poorly. The results haven't been there. And uh, that what can't am make, I all about? That can't. Well, I don't know. I don't power. think anybody knows. I'm about having power. Really? You over the show? That's embarrassing. Over Max? Uh, that's what I'm about. If I'm sorry is, to hear that. If it gets out there that man Bob Lutz decided he kind of liked the Chiefs, and now look, you know what that does for my street cred? Nothing. Think about it. I did. Give it some thought. Okay. Nothing. Does nothing. Well, the Chiefs are struggling. A little bit. And last night, uh, they kind of lost their cool, uh, especially Mahomes, Andy Reid, and wasn't a good look. Uh, today, they're not really taking it back. And here's my point. Don't line up offsides, Kadarius Tony. And here's my understanding of this rule from the get-go. From the very first time I ever saw a football game, a receiver lines up, right? Yeah. A receiver walks into a bar. <laughs> Hilarious stuff. Oh, I don't a, get a, it. A receiver, I, don't... I know you don't get it. That's because you don't get anything. 
And by the way, I got something to talk about with Adam Sandler in a moment. A receiver lined there? up. Doesn't the receiver 95% of the time look to the official and say, am I good? Well, apparently he did that. I don't know. No, he didn't. I've seen things where he said he did. I don't, I don't know. I don't really care. He was offside. If he did that, which I don't think he did, but if he did that and he was ignored by the official, the official should never have thrown a flag. If he did, is it the official's responsibility? It is. It's if you're asked. If but is it? Says, but is it actually? Yes. yes. I'm not saying kindness or being polite or. Yeah. Is it a rule? Yes. I don't it, believe. It, that. I don't I know don't, if it's a rule. Well, it if it's happen. not, then it doesn't matter. Hey, ref, am I good? My feet good? Yeah, you're good. That's all you need. Okay, but I don't believe Kadarius Tony asked that question. So, it's not up to the official to intervene and say, hey, bud, you're not lined up correctly. It is the official's responsibility, in my opinion, if he's asked directly to confirm. Say, yeah, you're good, or no, back up a few inches. Well, I saw a video that was put out on Twitter where it was Terry McLaurin, and he did ask, and he did get confirmation that he was lined up okay, and they still threw a flag. Well, I didn't see that. Offensive offense. And I don't know who Terry McLaurin is. McLaurin? He plays for Washington. I don't know Terry McLaurin. You don't? No, I don't care what he said. Who cares what he said? I'm just telling you. I don't know. And to get on here and say, ah, it's the official's responsibility, I can't can't say that. I don't know that. What I'm saying is very clear cut. If the official was asked and he denied to answer, then the chief should be up in arms. I don't agree with that. If the official was asked and he said, yeah, get back a couple, you know, you're good, but get back a little, uh, and and uh, and Tony, Tony. De- denied to do that, then it's on him. If Tony didn't ask an official and he just went to the line of scrimmage, then all bets are You know are who off. it's on in any of those scenarios, all of them? Kadarius Tony. Line up right. Not if he asked and the official said you're good. I don't. Okay. That's my opinion. And I don't think that happened, by the way. I don't think he asked. I think they said he was ignored. This is Who's I and, they? and Terry McLaurin. And again, I, I don't care what Terry McLaurin wasn't even in the game. All this stuff is Facebook memes and Twitter speculation. Right. I don't know what to believe. Believe anymore. me. I haven't I haven't gone back and rewatched the play. Maybe that's something I should yeah, have done. Maybe that's something you ought to do. Did you? Instead of spouting all this off and trying to create a conspiracy theory. This guy, Josh Cohen, who I... Josh Cohen. Jo- he has, oh, the, the man. He has what NFL he in his say? Twitter handle. What he have to For say? For what it's worth, I can confirm that Kadarius Tony looked to the sideline and pointed as he lined up. I cannot comment whether the official acknowledged or signaled for him to move back. Who? I don't know. Who is this clown? He has NFL this in what, his name. This he must is the be problem somebody. with your generation. My generation? I'm 72 years old. The problem with your generation and those younger is that you rely on this garbage of social media to try to come up with the answer. Well, I think it's stupid. You, you just admitted on this show that you trust a guy named no, I didn't Terry say I Cohen trusted him more than you trust going back to look at the play. That's unbelievable to me. Apparently, Tracy Wolfson. Oh, ours Tracy also. Wolfson. Well, wasn't she uh, on the field? She's standing over. She's four foot five. She can't see over anybody. She's not telling you what's There's happening. There's a lot of people out there. And you know what? 
He lined up offside. Yes, he did. Period. Point blank. And the only, the only uh, leverage I give Kadarius Tony is if he asked and was told you're good. Well, that guy Josh Cohen cannot confirm that. Uh, so. Let's get a hold of Josh Cohen. How many Maybe followers we should. does this clown I have? don't know. It was a screenshot. Let's right. see how many. He has uh, 6,174. Excuse me. Where is he from? Doesn't He doesn't say. His pin tweet is, Maddie, I'm drunk. I just make blank up as I go. There you go. What wonderful credibility. And you're citing him on this I'm not show. Si- I'm just telling you. You're using Josh Cohen. He's got a football play as his cover photo. Look at that. That's good You're stuff. using Josh Cohen as your source. You know who my source is? Uh-uh. Jesse Newell, who will join us at 225. Covers the Chiefs from, for the Kansas City Star, the Wichita Eagle. He's been in the news conference today where Andy Reid has addressed this by saying that we just want a good relationship with the officials. So what does that, that insinuate? Don't know. That insinuates that the officials weren't forthcoming. We'll get uh, Jesse's view on this. I'm not sure. I, again, I don't know if that's their job to be Here's forthcoming. My, I'm going to go back to my very beginning point, okay? I've been covering football forever. Used you to have? be down on the sidelines when I covered. Okay. And I always made it a point to watch what, what, what happened. Receivers always looked at the officials and, the, and asked, are my feet lined up? Am I good? I, Unless I just they're don't... on the slot, then they don't need to, obviously. But if you're on the line of scrimmage, you need to have verification that your feet are lined up okay. Can't you just look at the ball? Like, I don't. Not none really. Of that makes sense to me. No, the ball can move around. It's the line of scrimmage. Isn't that where the ball is? No, you've you seen don't want to be ahead of the ball. the ball. You don't want to be ahead of the ball. You couldn't sound like a bigger moron. Did you? Seriously. I get on this show every day and I bring. Well, you're like Gene wisdom. Serator or whatever. Right. You got nothing. Well, I, bring, I think it might be, but you'll have to see. And that's I, bring, I bring great wisdom. I, sure. And uh, frankly, you don't. Frankly, I don't give a damn. All right. Uh, I said we have Jesse Newell coming in about 10 minutes, 15 minutes or so. Uh, Kip Pulliam, the head women's basketball coach at Wichita Heights, will join us at 245. And uh, we're going to have a Bob and Jeff draft. We're going to draft current and former quarterbacks who play or played for teams currently in the AFC West. Okay. That's going to be the subject matter. It's convoluted, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, we're going to do it. So So I can't have. Chargers, Broncos, Raiders, and Chiefs. So I can't have like a Seahawks guy since they used to be in the AFC West. You cannot. Current AFC West teams only. Uh, That's going to be the theme of the Bob and Jeff draft. Okay. Shohei Otani to the Dodgers, $700 million. Uh, Dodgers still have work to do, and it's irritating that they can get that work done. They'll figure it out. They have tons of prospects. They have... And not bad an eye. No, they'll... they'll, They have money. They might sign Yamamoto to a $300 million contract. Commit a billion dollars to... Then they might trade... For Dylan Cease. I want them to trade for Emmanuel Classe. 
Nobody wants a manual classet. Why? Nobody even recognizes that the Guardians have a ball club. He led the league in saves two years in a row. I mean, seriously. I go through this to some degree now with the Cardinals. Hello? Is there any radar? Let's go. What are you talking about? You've signed three starting pitchers. But with Cleveland, it truly is. Is there a team? I would check every day. We got Austin Hedges. <laughs> what, a, what, what are you doing? I don't know. You just acquired a catcher. You sent him to Miami. Yeah, Christian Bethencourt. Then you get this guy who couldn't hit his way out of a paper bag. Is he better than Christian Bethencourt? He is not. Then why'd you do this? Because we think he's a clubhouse guy. We got a young manager. But we got he was a catcher. Sandy Alomar was a catcher. We don't need a mentor to Josh Naylor. We well, got they, plenty of those guys. They're talking about trading Bo Naylor. No, I've seen. I mean Bo Naylor as catcher. Well, they're not, they're talking about trading no, they're Josh They're not going to trade Josh Naylor. Well, they might. They're not. They got this hunky-dory first base prospect. Anyway, who cares? The point is. And the number one pick in the draft. Shohei Otani will make his stateside debut as a Dodger against the St. Louis Cardinals. It's exciting. They're starting in Korea against the Padres, but yes, That's once, why I said state once they come back to the United States, it will be against That's a four-game series, by the way. So we'll have to pitch to him for four games. Lance Lynn, who gave up 44 home runs last year, might give up that many in the series. Well, he's a DH for $70 million this year. Hope it pays off for him. Good luck. Well, they've also got Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Max Muncy and Will Smith. And Max Muncy's old. Will Smith is pretty good. But Hayward, Taylor, I mean, their lineup's re really good. Well, they got young but like guys, you said, Altman. Uh, they got some young guys, too. Like you said, they got work to do. Well, they'll get the work done. I'm sure they will. They, they look at work as, we'll take care of it. Well, they have endless amount of resources. And Ken Rosenthal, that, Ken Rosenthal saying that means the game is healthy when one team can do that? Well, I don't as long know. As they that, don't win every year. I don't know if that's true. Well, look at them. The Diamondbacks swept them. I, I, Diamondbacks I understand. Diamondbacks right now have better pitching than the Dodgers. It's close. Well, they just said, no, it's not close. Who, who, the one, two, and three. Gallon, Kelly, and Rodriguez. Much better than the Dodgers currently have. Not even close. Who even is? They have Bueller coming back. Coming back from his second Tommy John. And then they have a bunch of young Miller, guys. Miller, uh, Sheehan. Bunch of young guys. Probably Kershaw at some point. Not until midway through the season. Uh, they have better pitching. The Padres, I wouldn't sleep on them even. I don't think I would either. I think they uh I think they've enhanced themselves with the trade with the Yankees. Well that's absolutely not well, true. You, but listen to me. Juan Soto They is, got two rotation pieces, a bullpen guy, and a catcher. No. They're losing pitching through free agency. They just replenished a bunch of it. That's a good good move by the Padres. It's, Plus no. they get rid of they, they get rid of a there was something wrong with that team last year. Uh, you can't have four superstars. You sure can. No, you can't. Do you want? You, do you want four superstars? No, I want one or two. Really? Yeah, and then I want to build around them. 
and try to create the next superstar. That's what I want. Well, that's not what the Padres are trying to do. I want Goldschmidt and Arenado, who are on the down, especially Goldschmidt, I think, although he's working his tail off this winter. Don't sell Paul Goldschmidt short. We'll see. Don't sell him short. I won't. Uh, But then I want Jordan Walker to be a superstar. I want Mason Wynn to be a superstar. I want to I want to develop them in house. Well, you've got a lot of young players, so you've got a lot of opportunities. That's what I'm looking to try to accomplish. You know? Maybe Walker for Class A. <laughs> we wouldn't we wouldn't give you quit trying to dump off Class A is a valuable piece. You yeah. see how important we're not trading you were? A, we're not trading you a corner outfielder. That'd be ridiculous. We might trade you Somebody like Tommy Edmond. Pass. See? We don't want Tommy Edmond. Tommy Edmond and Ivan Herrera. What do we need Ivan Herrera for? We just signed Austin Hedges. Because Ivan Herrera is going to be about 20,000 times better. Uh, Shockers lose uh, over the weekend uh, against uh, South Dakota State at a nearly empty uh, Intrust Bank Arena. I don't know what to make of that. We'll certainly talk about it as the week progresses. Uh, we've got Kevin Saul, the Wichita State AD, on our show next week. Uh, I said from the beginning, South Dakota State does not sell tickets. They do beat you, however. Not good. If you don't play well, they'll beat you. And uh, they beat Wichita State pretty handily. Shockers were never in that game. Kansas uh, knocks out Missouri. Uh, in a game that was entertaining to watch. Yeah, we all missed it. What do you mean we all missed it? In our picks. We did all miss it. And then Kansas State wins on the road at LSU. Uh, A nice win for the Cats. Speaking of picks, uh, due to the winner again, 3-5 and for 14 points. Nobody did well this week. Uh, Max Max and I were 3-5 and for 13 points. And you, my friend... We're two and six. I was three and five for six points. You missed Navy, Jacksonville. Wait, you got yeah. You missed Jacksonville, Denver, Detroit, the Chiefs, and KU. I picked the Chargers. That's correct. Oh, I don't think so. No, you didn't. The Chargers weren't one of the games being picked. You picked the Rams, uh, which you got right. Again, you missed Navy, yes. Jacksonville, Denver. You sure I didn't pick Denver? Wait a minute. We get we do all get Denver, don't we? Yeah, they covered. There you go. You still lost the week. Okay, well, I was three and five. Yeah, the rest of us get a game, too. Everybody picked Denver? Everybody picked Denver. That stinks. So Max was four and four for 14 points. Duda was four and four for 17. You were three and five. For nine, and I was four and four for 15. Nine? Yeah, I win the week. Well, Duda wins the week. That's horrible. Not a great week. No, that was a hard week. Not a great week. It was tough. Um, all right, what else did we not cover in the opening that we needed to? Um, Felt like there was something else I wanted to mention. Oh, no, I think we got to just about all of it. Uh, we got the Chiefs. We got the college basketball 
Wichita um, State volleyball. Are they going to like some championship? I game don't know. Or? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta zone in on that. I don't know what that is. Okay. And then listen, color me what I am. Unless you're playing for the, all the marbles. In season tournament. Did you want to hit on that? Eh. Your your Pacers had the the world as their stage, and the and of course you know what they did. They did not play well. No, they looked terrible. I don't know about terrible, but they didn't look good. Uh, so again, Two I feel almost bad for you. Why? They played three national TV games. They knocked off Boston and Milwaukee in two of them. They got there. They got some love. It's all right. They'll be all right. LeBron looked good. AD looked good. We don't have any defense. We can't stop other team star no, players. AD got everything he wanted. It's too bad. We have no size. None. Which means you're kind of a pretender. We'll get OG Ananobi. We'll take a break, come back, and talk Chiefs. Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star. Kansas City dropping one last night at home to Buffalo. They're on a little bit of a downturn in Kansas City. We'll talk to Jesse about what he thinks it means next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is the Bob and Jeff Show on 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, we are joined by Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star, their Chiefs beat writer, Deluxe. Jesse, welcome. How are you? Doing great. How about you guys? Oh, I'm okay. So in my effort to simplify things, um, as we talked about at the beginning of the show today, of course, the big controversy uh, was... Uh, was Ladarius Tony Kadarius. Kadarius Tony? Did he inform the officials, uh, or did he ask the officials about his lining up before the big play that resulted in a touchdown and one of the most uh, interesting and and exciting plays we've seen? So my point is, either he did or he didn't talk to the officials. Did he? Yeah, we just got done talking with Andy Reid about an hour ago, and. Andy Reid said that he did not uh, check with the official before the play, said that he normally does, and on that play he didn't. So, um, you actually, if you go back to the film and watch, you can see Rasheed Rice on the opposite end doing that, looking at the official, pointing to him, getting the thumbs-up sign, all those sorts of things. Um, so, yeah, but that one uh, is 
definitely on Kadarius to know where you're supposed to be lined up. I know that Patrick Holmes, I don't think he meant it this way, but he talked about last night how it was kind of an elementary school thing where, you know, you get lined up correctly and you know where you are. And I think he was meaning to say that normally you don't see that call, but really I think he also could be speaking to just the lack of attention to detail that, you know, most sixth, seventh, eighth graders know where to line up and don't get called for that penalty. So, um, and he said today that he was most frustrated with just sort of you plan so many hours, you prepare so much for a game, and to have it come down to that is frustrating. But I think there's a little bit more today culpability on the Chiefs to at least look at this thing and say, hey, you know, push comes to shove. you got to line up right. you got to get the details right. And if you don't, it can definitely cost you football games. Were you surprised at all by Mahomes and his reaction immediately? I know there was a lot of emotion in the moment, and I know there was some residual effects from the previous week where the officials really did get some stuff wrong and it affected the Chiefs, but this one seemed pretty straightforward, and it seemed like he was trying to maybe get public opinion on his side. We're, hey, we're always talking about the refs, and, and that didn't happen. So what did you make of uh, what Mahomes had to say and just that vibe overall of him kind of uh, complaining there? Yeah, I mean, guys, I was pretty shocked by what happened last night, to be completely honest with you. And if we're going to be brutally honest about this, the time for the Chiefs to complain about the officiating was last week. You know, that, that pass interference call was was blown. You know what I mean? And it would have given the Chiefs a chance to win the game. But they did take the high road then. And Patrick Holmes even said, hey, if I throw that ball out there farther for MBS, then it's probably a question. I'm going to worry about the officials. And I'd rather let, have the officials let the guys play. I think that was his point last night was like, let the players decide the game, but you guys spoke to this. I mean, this is something pre-snap that's just so obvious. If you're an official lined up looking up the, at the ball, that if you don't see the ball, if the guy's that far up ahead, I mean, it's the flag you have to throw. And uh, me and Sam McDowell, the columnist for the Kansas State Star, were looking at the other three instances today in the NFL of receivers getting called for that penalty, and it was sort of fascinating to look at because there really wasn't any warning on those either. There was even one with Amir Smith-Mark. Amir Smith-Marset, who was actually a Chiefs receiver earlier this year, he got called for one um, this past week as well. And he goes to the sideline, and there's two coaches yelling at him because it's like, hey, this is this is something you have to do. This is something that's pretty elemental, elementary school. You know, you, you have to get lined up in the right spot. And so they were putting the blame on him. It's just interesting that, you know, Reed, Andy Reed never liked talking about officials or officials' calls. Last time he was – turning down questions, any questions that did not mention that call. He basically would refuse to answer questions that were any, about anything besides that call last night. So that was way out there. And then you have Mahomes doubling down on it when the previous week we saw him take ownership of his own play and then what had happened. I do think there's a sense of this that, that everything sort of bubbled up. You know what I mean? And Patrick Mahomes really can't yell at MBS on the field. Can't yell at Kadarius Tony. Can't yell at his right tackle for keep false starting, but he can yell at an official, and maybe that's kind of the public display showing his frustration of all the things that are going on, and the official is actually the one he can yell at, and, and his teammates will get their feelings hurt by it. Jesse Newell with us from the Kansas City Sarks. So Kadarius Tony brought in from the Giants last year, certainly looks apart, as do others in this wide receiving core. However, more drops yesterday. Uh, I guess Rice has uh, taken steps forward to where they – feel like maybe he's going to be the real deal. Uh, but uh, you can understand the frustration of Patrick Mahomes. I'm not giving him a, a pass on his behavior last night. But it's been a frustrating season for the Chiefs. Yet here they are, 8-5, and five, certainly 
right in the middle of the playoff hunt. Uh, now we wonder, will they go on the road in the playoffs? Uh, what do they have to accomplish over these final four games to make people feel like, okay, this is more like it? Yeah, I mean, you start with winning them. I mean, I, I remember going before the season, I predicted the Chiefs win 12-5, and five, and it's just funny how potentially they're probably going to get to 12-5. and five. It's just the way you get there is going to be, you know, it kind of goes to Armageddon when the Chiefs lose 4-6. or six. I mean, that's not something that fans around here are used to, and that's kind of the standard in the bar that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have set. But, I, I, you know, if you guys know this, we can't look at these games like robots. You know what I mean? There is an emotional part to this game, and it sure did seem like the Chiefs kind of checked out after that call last night. You know, they had three more downs to come and get the first down. It wasn't like they didn't overcome penalties in other drives last night. It's just everything boiled over, and, and they just couldn't get over that and, and had no chance to win after that. So I, I do think if we are just looking at this very mechanically, very rationally, the Chiefs had some good things happen last night. And what we're talking about the offense isn't like that they're the Jets and they can't move the football ever. It's it's that they're moving the ball up and down the field and then you're getting a wide receiver screen or a running back screen interception, tip interception, or you're getting Rasheed Rice, who has been very productive for you, fumbling the ball in, in a crucial moment. And so I, I don't know. Like, if I were the Chiefs, I'd rather have it this way, right? I mean, you kind of have the feeling right now that they're going to screw up at some moment. But then there's certain games like the Raiders where they got down 14 nothing and then they just decide they weren't going to screw up and they score almost everything possession. They win the game 31-17 going away. So it feels like the pieces are there. It feels like they're moving the football. It feels like they're getting something in their run game going. Uh, it feels like they're passing the ball with some efficiency lately. It's just these weird mess-ups that keep them from, from kind of building confidence and going the direction they think they need to go. So I think that can be fixed. I think the next four games can help them fix that. And if you look at the list of the quarterbacks they're playing, that definitely will help out as well. That This defense has performed well a lot of times this season against good quarterbacks and good receivers. They're not facing many of those the rest of the way. So I think, you know, a human game being played by humans, I think them building confidence is a big thing. And just starting with another game where they could limit mistakes, drive the ball on the field, and then not shoot themselves in the foot, they put a couple of those together, I think they'll still be feeling pretty good about themselves heading into the playoffs and potentially the, the kind of run they can make while still having Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. So I guess if you want to look at it optimistically or uh, revisionist history type of stuff, you can look at the pass interference and Kadarius Tony lining up offside and, hey, those things go the other way. They're 10-3. They're and three. Do you think the margin of error is, is that thin for the Chiefs right now? Is it, I mean, we're seeing it pretty much every week. Is it, is it one play that's the difference between win and, wins and losses? They're losing the turnover battle, which isn't necessarily predictable from year to year. But uh, is, is, is what we're seeing real, that it's kind of one play can make a difference for the Chiefs week to week? Yeah, it is. And, and I think – you're on some other job. I mean, it's the margin of error is smaller because this team is not as good as a year ago. I mean, we can all agree on that. You know, like the defense is better, but the offense is too ticked off what it was. Now, I think when you bring up, go big picture and go to the full context of this, think about last year, though. The Bills were really good last year. The Bengals were really good. You know, there were other teams in the AFC where it's like, I, I mean, that, that road to get to the Super Bowl is pretty tough. This year, it's it's – not that, you know what I mean? And we all laser focus on the Chiefs and their problems, and they do have problems. They know they've got problems. They've lost four or six. But, like, what are the roadblocks this year compared to a year ago? And I just don't think they're as difficult. I mean, the Ravens looked really vulnerable yesterday. I mean, the Bills are probably one of the AFC's best teams, so they might not make the playoff. That's no guarantee. 
at this point in the season with how the hole that they built up for themselves. I mean, outside of that, Miami um, is a good team. You probably wouldn't want to play them in Miami, but Chiefs beat them already this season, so it's it's not a team that you can't overcome. So I, I agree with you I, that the margin of error is smaller. And then what you're talking about, the turnovers, you know, I was looking up um, – they have stats out there kind of like the expected points added of, of individual plays in the game. That Mahomes interception was minus 6.9 expected points added in the game. And so, yeah, those things are huge. And it kind of reminds me a few years ago when the Chiefs had this happen where they went through their big lull. They had all these fluky turnovers. Tiger Kill was kind of tossing the ball to the other team. And then all of a sudden they shut those off and the offense looked really good again. And so that's kind of what I'm saying here is that, like, if you're going to be – not as successful as you once were. This is the way you want to have it. That they're losing this, these sorts of games on two or three plays, and things are a little flukier than than what you would expect. It's not like they're not moving the football; they are. It's just these these weird things are going against them, and they're not being focused on the things that win you football games. So, I think it can be corrected. I don't think this team is as good as years past, but I don't think the other teams around them are as good as years past. So that still gives them a really good shot at potentially even making a Super Bowl if they get some of these things aligned and play their best in the right games. And obviously that's still ahead for the Chiefs. They still have an opportunity to do that coming up here in the next couple months. Yeah, I mean, you just look around. We're talking with Jesse Newell. Just look around at the NFL and what's happening from week to week. There's nobody really grabbing a foothold here and being a dominant team. I was was close to kind of trying to buy into the Houston Texans. They got thumped yesterday by the Jets. I don't even know who's good anymore. I think the Chiefs, if I were a betting man, I'd still have them at pretty good odds to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, so, Jesse, talking with Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star, that was so out of character from uh, Mahomes. What do you think his next move is? Yeah, so he'll talk with us on Wednesday. Um I think you guys are right. I think he was sort of wanting to drum up public support, but it's obvious that that has not come. I mean, almost everybody to a, a man has basically said, hey, this is the call that has to be made, and it's a clear and obvious call. So I think we'll see a little bit of a mea culpa on Wednesday. I think he will back off of those statements um, and basically just say he was frustrated in the moment and needs to control what he can control moving forward and basically get more of the message that he gave last week after the fast interference call, which is like, hey, I, if I control what I control, uh, then this team will be better in the future, and, and you don't have to worry about these things determining close games late. So I, I do anticipate that something, well, there's something different for Patrick Mahomes coming up on Wednesday, but I also anticipate that him and Amy are probably going to get fined. And we haven't seen that in a long time in the NFL uh, for people to publicly basically call out officials and then get fined for it. But I think both of those guys were sort of aiming for that uh, yesterday, and I think both of them are probably going to get it here in the end and, and get sanctioned for uh, what they said and the very intentional comments they made last night to make a point. So let's fast forward to, to week 18. I think it's against the Chargers. Uh, what will the Chiefs be playing for at that point? Do you think the division will hang in the balance? Is, is, is Denver a real threat? Uh, what are the Chiefs playing for uh, in week 18, January 7th? Yeah, I mean, I, it's hard for me to think that Denver's going to stick in this thing now. Would the Chiefs want to be one game up at this point with four games left and to kind of have some – pressure that they put on themselves they, they would not want that but the schedule does lighten up here i was looking at the new york times odds of this and it said if the chiefs run the table i think they have around a 35 percent chance still of getting the one seed go down some of these other teams schedules like the ravens i mean the ravens had like murderers road on the stretch so it's not out of the realm of possibility the chiefs could still sneak, sneak on that one line we talked about how because all these 
teams are kind of bunched together, the one seed would be really important. I mean, getting that by and then home field advantage against a bunch of other teams that are kind of like you, uh, that would be a big deal. Plus, to potentially avoid, if you're the two seed and get the Bills in the first round, uh, that wouldn't feel like much of a, a reward for a season's worth of work. So uh, that that one seed could be a, a, ma- a big advantage there. So I don't know. I mean, again, depending on how this thing shakes out, the Chiefs have rested starters in the past when there's nothing to play for uh, in that Week 18 game. So I guess there's a possibility out there they could be locked into the two or the three um, and potentially just have that solidified and not have to worry about that and rest their guys and get ready for the playoffs. The other weird thing that could happen, like I said, is it's very clear the Bills are better than, like, the Steelers, you know what I mean? Or the Bills, at least based off yesterday, are better than the Texans. If the Bills were locked into the seven seed and the Chiefs knew they could be the two or the three, I don't know. You might want to finagle and get out of that two seed. It's weird to think of that way and to sort of tank your way into avoiding the Bills, but I just don't think that's a team you want to see in the playoffs, especially with the dynamic plays that we saw Josh Allen can make uh, at certain points in the last game. So I would think they'd most likely either be playing for the two or three seed and positioning and uh, we know in the years past, one, sometimes the Chiefs have gotten the two seed and still gotten home field because the one seed has lost before them. But um, at this point, them competing for the one, probably not, but still a possibility. We'll see how these last few weeks play out. There will be something to play for, but I still think at this point, most likely, Chiefs play a two or three seed. It'll be fascinating to see how Patrick Mahomes potentially plays in a road playoff game. Jesse, really appreciate you fitting us in today. Thanks for your time. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Jesse Newell from the Kansas City Star. Baltimore at Jacksonville, at San Francisco, at home against the Dolphins. And then they finish up at home against the Steelers. Certainly that's not an easy one. No. Uh, Miami, the other team that's currently ahead of Kansas City, they have the Titans at home, uh, the Jets at home. Wait a minute. They have five games left. The Titans, Jets, Cowboys, all at home. Ravens on the road, Bills at home. Four out of their final five games. Yeah, they play tonight, so four at home. So good stuff. Yeah. You got anything else you want to add? Who does Miami play tonight? Is it Green Bay? No, the Titans. Oh, okay. Then they have the Jets, Cowboys, Ravens, and Bills. But there's two games tonight, right? Is Green Bay one of them? I don't know. I don't. I, that, I don't. That, that doesn't matter to me. Okay. Next time you ask me somebody's schedule. What I care about is giving the, the listeners information they can use. Uh, not necessarily information about who's playing tonight. Well, that, that makes can they not use you? that information? Two Monday night games. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Well, you, you, we've had it before. Yeah, but not this late in the season, typically. That's usually an early season kind of we've situation. We've got Tennessee, Miami, Green Bay, and the Giants. I, w- I won't bother watching any either of them. Yeah, you'll be watching the Pacers-Pistons tonight. No, I won't be watching that either. What will either. you be watching? Uh, we're involved in some series, as you know. Multiple? Yeah. No. Uh, what we're going to do now is take a break and come back and talk with Kip Pulliam, the girls' basketball coach at Wichita Heights. Later, we'll talk about... The Adam Sandler experience here in Wichita last night. I did not go, but he had a posse with him. My goodness gracious. How fun would it have been to have been at uh, the, the dive, my wine dive, and watch Kevin James come in? I don't know. I didn't know that happened, but I knew he was here. David Spade, Rob Schneider, Kevin James. Yes. All with Adam Sandler. So, uh, he's night. batting about 333 there. <laughs> Kapuyam joins us, girls basketball coach at Wichita Heights. 
back in the fold. Kip, welcome. Well, thank you guys for having me on. Feels like uh, feels like the old days, doesn't it, to some degree? <laughs> it sure does. It does. Uh, took a little uh, hiatus for a little bit. Uh, watched my son graduate high school and spent some time with him when he was finishing high school, and now I'm back at it. Well, it would have been a longer hiatus if you'd done watched him graduate college like I did with my son. It took him about 12 years. Uh, Kip, tell us, uh, tell us what enticed you. You kind of mentioned it. You, you were off watching uh, your, your son become educated. But what enticed you to return to coaching in the high school ranks and to a place, Heights, where you had so much success previously? Well, well, basketball's been in my blood. I mean, you, you, as you know, my dad was my coach, and, and I've always loved basketball, and he was a big part of that. And, you know, he's the one that got me wanting to play basketball and then wanting to coach it. And So, you know, it's in my blood. And, you know, I wanted to spend a few years with Gunner, my son, and, and watch him, you know, through high school. And, you know, he's graduated high school. He's in college now. And so when the job opened up, I thought, you know, this would be, you know, there's really nowhere else I want to coach. So, um I thought it'd be a great opportunity to get back into it. So what's it been, about seven years? Six years. Okay, so even in, in just a kind of a short time there, the landscape has, has obviously changed. What do you make of uh, girls' basketball around the area? I, can't, I think it's kind of going the way of boys' basketball where there's a lot of suburban powerhouses. Um, and what do you think of the, the City League so far? Is it is it – possible to replicate the kind of success you had there originally uh, that, that's actually that's the goal um but yes it has changed a lot in the six years you know I, I followed it but not you know as deep as i did when i was coaching uh but you're right the the, the suburban areas are doing a lot uh they're, they're getting a lot better um the kids are are, are really good you know the, the city league you know it's still got some really good teams in it you know south southeast and Bishop Carroll, Capen, those are all really good teams. And, you know, and, you know, Carroll made a run last year to the state championship game. So the City League still got some really good teams in it that have chances to, you know, make runs. So, um, it, you know, it's, it's different, but it's not a whole lot different. Talking now with Kip Pulliam, the girls basketball coach at Wichita Heights. And we've talked about this. I'm Kip. I'm, I'm sure I mentioned it to you. I like, I like to see competitive balance. You've won your first two games in lopsided fashion, but you have South and Southeast now coming up. You crave playing competitive games, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you guys know back in the day we would go to to a big Nike tournament of champions in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and, you know, we were going there and with the chance of losing three games. But, you know, fortunately we, we always did fairly well there. But, you know, I think the better teams you play, the better it prepares you for, for you know, the end of the year when, when really what everybody's playing for is – you know, trying to get into the postseason and possibly want to state championship. So, yeah, the, 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 this week is a huge week for us. You know, we've got Wichita South and Southeast, which are, you know, both were ranked ahead of us in, in the city league, you know, early rankings and, you know, even in the state rankings. So, you know, we, we're, we're, we're ready for, for some challenges and to kind of see where we are. So tell us about uh, your team. Who are some of the, the players that you've been depending on? I know Heights has always had really good players. So who's uh, who's been that for you so far this year? We, we had a great core, when you know, here when, when I got here. Kennedy Jackson, Maya Mayberry, Heaven Gilbert all, and Zari Walker were all starters that, that were really good players. Kennedy's been offered by WSU. So, 
Um, it just shows that she is. And then, uh, you know, we've also counted on us, Amaya Ellis and, and Kamira Barber and uh, some others off the bench that have that have made them a really good, you know, well-rounded team. It's just we're doing a lot of work of them getting to know me and me getting to know them and getting to know my system. Um, I was so used to when I was here for so long that, you know, the kids kind of knew the system when it was their turn to to uh, contribute, you know, a, a, as older players. And now it's, you know, they're learning me and I'm learning them. And so we're all kind of learning together right now. So it, it's a challenge. Um, this week will tell us a lot where we are and give us a little uh, information for us to work on over break and, you know, see if we can get everything going and playing basketball at the right time. You know how that is. What is the state, and we're talking with Kip Pulliam of Wichita Heights, what is the state of youth girls basketball in the Wichita area? Uh, I don't know uh, how closely you've been keeping tabs on it. Maybe you're just starting that process. But if if I'm asking you that question, what, what are your thoughts? You know, and you're right. I, I'm just kind of getting my feet back into all that because it is that 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 aspect has changed in the last six years. And and I'll tell you what, we have a lot of great youth uh, programs um, in, in the city that are doing a great job of getting kids out, getting them getting them playing basketball, and getting them you know into little circuits, the different circuits that are around here. But they do. A, I mean, we actually have a really really good uh, you know youth. Uh, basketball in in the city so uh, there's a lot of opportunities for those kids and and it's been yeah I think it's going to help in the long run and and I also think it helps now you know there's quite a few good players around because I think one of the popular things to say to talk about a few years ago was that volleyball was starting to take up a lot of the oxygen uh, in, in terms of drawing girls away maybe to some degree from basketball do you still feel you feel like that's evened out some I think it's evened out a little I still think it's there you know and and I think there's some some some, you know kids that specialize in sports you know I I try and get mine to play as many sports as they can Um, I think it's better for their body and and and, you know during the school season and then you know in the summers and they have other you know and they play basketball a lot of them play basketball year-round but um, I I think um, I think it's kind of starting to to equal out a little um, I still think you're always going to have your specialty uh, players, um, whether it's anywhere from softball to to basketball to to volleyball, you know, or soccer even, you know. So I, I think there's always going to be you know teams that lose players because of that. But I don't I don't see it. We don't see it as much here as we do as, as the other places do, though. So, Kip, does your place in history, does that something that you think about? I know you're first and foremost about the players and developing them and, and having those relationships, but if you win your next game, you'll be 200 games over 500, which I think is pretty good, 246 and 46. So, And you got the four state titles. So does that stuff, you know, when you look back at it, obviously it meant something at the time, but when you look at the, the overall picture, is that something that you think about a lot? Actually, you you gave me numbers that I haven't even didn't even know. So no, I really don't <laughs> think about that. Um, I, I think um, my goal is to is to teach the kids a lot of life lessons as well as basketball and prepare them for for life after basketball and after high school. So 
Um, you know, my, my, my goal is to get all these kids some kind of scholarship so they can go to college and, and not have to worry about paying. Um, but, you know, it's more of, about the kids than it is me. You know, I, I, you know, you know me, I'm very competitive. I've been competitive since I was in high school and played in college. So, you know, it is competitiveness for me, but it's also, you know, mainly for the girls. Well, we're used to asking Joe, uh, Joe Auer about those numbers. He knows them all. So uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, please don't tell Joe I said that. Uh, it's got to be fun being it's got to be fun being back at Heights where you're you're in the same department now, the same athletic department with Joe Auer. I know how uh, you guys, you know, coach together for a long time. Him, the boys, you, the girls. That's got to be rewarding. It's very, I mean, actually me and Joe have done a lot of talking, you know, since I came back, you know, when I took the job at the end of last year and, and we, we've done a lot of things that we're going to, you know, do with each of our teams. Um, it, it's, it's a lot of fun when both teams are, are, are really relevant and really good. Um, so uh, I really enjoy, you know, picking his brain basketball wise. He picks mine. We, we, we do a great job of, you know, Hey, you know, asking questions to each other and see, you know, Hey, will you watch this and see what you think? And, so, no, it, it's great to have him here. Um, and, and like you said, it feels like old times because, you know, he, it, it was we had a great little thing going when, when we were both here before, and hopefully we can I can hold up our end of the bargain this year. Well, it's good to have you back in the City League. It's good to uh, be able to talk to you and talk about your team and certainly remember your dad, who uh, is amongst my earliest memories when he was a player uh, but down in Derby High School back in the early 60s. I I remember watching Stan play and being uh, pretty impressed with what a fantastic player he was. Kip, it's always fun. Thanks uh, for your time. Well, I appreciate it. appreciate you guys having me on, and hopefully uh, we keep winning, and you'll have me on again, and we can do some more talking. There you go. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Kip. Okay. Take care, guys. All right, Kip Pulliam from Wichita Heights High School joining us to talk some girls' basketball. Uh, we'll come back in a moment and carry on our number two, a Monday edition, the Bob and Jeff Show on KFH. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.